Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I'm joined by... Andy Germuga. Number one Dick Johnson stan, Colin Edgley. <laughs> Emilio Diaz. And today, we are, of course, going to be talking about the two films directed by Kirsten Johnson, one of which is the new Netflix film, uh, Dick Johnson is Dead, as well as her first film, camera person or those are the two features anyway i know she has at least one short uh and to do that we are joined by the film critic at vox Alyssa wilkinson yeah. thanks for having me thank you so we much for joining are us thrilled yes yeah. all right so does anyone have i guess uh an in point to talking about either of these movies i mean i know andy you're hot off dick johnson you just watched it <laughs> It's yeah, true. Me and Andy just it? finished Dick Johnson. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Yeah, ago. you might see a little like yeah tear residue on my face. <laughs> it's uh, it's quite a quite a wallop of an ending, if nothing else. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean Dick Johnson, I thought was pretty extraordinary. The the um, the yeah the the way that she is able to you know use like to bring in the like the the Hollywood aspects of like movie making and all that stuff and mm-hmm. you know i mean i guess this is like she's clearly a person who's very interested in the process of making movies like just from these mm-hmm. first two features right like it's like her i like the idea of like capturing something on camera is like super fascinating to her right and so how she's able to make that happen and that it, the interplay between like the fantasy and the, and the and the fictional aspects versus like the real emotions that they're connected to i mean it's like seems pretty basic to say but like that interplay is like so affecting i think mm-hmm. and uh and it does like and it's amazing that like it's able to that dick johnson in particular was able to like keep you guessing mm-hmm. as to like what is actually happening mm-hmm. and yeah. like what is the status of things and like when like she pulls the trick like three or four or five times of like is this actually real or like is this like yeah. a thing that she is staged for like and like uh, that and like the magic trick of like a few like you know like in the prestige of like showing you like how you're gonna do the trick right and like ahead of time and then actually doing it and it still is like shocking and like surprising to you and so that mm-hmm. like interplay i thought was like really exciting uh, to see in a movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah when i first saw this movie i think it had just been completed but i kind of knew it was ongoing and i did not actually know if dick johnson was dead (laughs) um which you know spoiler he's he's not um he he is not uh but yeah i mean it was it struck me as both the correct sequel to camera person which is a film that i think is pivotal at this point in the history of documentary and Mm -hmm. you know where where Kirsten is going with um, with her filmmaking and with the way that she's thinking about what she's doing, which is so much, as you said, about kind of like how being a filmmaker forces you to process the world 
differently um, than maybe other people do. Um, and yet you can make space within that processing for other people to process their own stuff about life, whatever that is, mm -hmm. whether it's how they look at things or what trauma is or death, thinking about parents and also with a great deal of humor. Um, Cause both of these films are, are quite funny in places, but maybe that's mm -hmm. not what you would totally expect from them. Mm -hmm. Right. No, yeah. We talked like Andy saying like, you don't know what's real. And like, I also, I feel like we, I must've known that he was alive cause he's like at the Sundance premiere and like we talked about it, but uh, when I was watching, it, I was like, "Is he gonna be dead at the end?" <laughs> and then, uh, after as soon as it ended, I just like looked it up. I was like, "Okay, he he's like," I was like, "Cause then I was they did like the the end card with like, you know, the open date." Um, but it reminded me a little bit. We talked about earlier this year the Marnie Ellen Hertzler movie Crestone, mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. what uh, plays into documentary of like, is it real? Is it not? And I was like, the whole time I was like, like Annie was saying of just you don't know like what she's going to sort of pull of like, <laughs> is he alive still? And then the big funeral scene at the end, I was like, Oh, this is his funeral because everyone's so like, it's like, it's such a real feeling of these people like giving their eulogies and like the guy with the horn. Mm -hmm. And then he's just behind the waiting in the wings. Right. Cause I was like, I can't tell if this is the scene from the beginning or not. <laughs> and then uh, when it like is sort of all revealed, I was like, okay, yeah, that's great. But like, I, I was thinking a lot about like because there was some um, was it no it's, that's not his name there was some director we were talking about uh, who had a movie that was like presented as a documentary but like was completely like fortified and like people were talking about like whether or not it was or not mm -hmm. um, I don't remember Is this, this uh, the Ross Brothers movie, uh, no, Bloody Nose, I, Empty Pockets. It was. That, uh, I remember I'll, that I'll having. I remember that having some controversy about how it was presented. This is all really interesting to even think about because it is real, right? Like, like what mm -hmm. we're looking at really happened, even if it doesn't depict, like a death <laughs> but they yeah. did actually stage mm -hmm. it right um and mm -hmm. and what we're yeah. looking at is a record of the staging of it and so right. one thing that i love about this movie is it's less a record of like a bunch of gotcha moments <laughs> where they want you to think this is real and more a record of yeah. like what it looks like to keep processing and reprocessing the possibility that someone you love is going to die in all of these different ways yeah, yeah. because the way like you guys have been talking about it it's like it's interesting to think about it like that where it it sort of plays the game of well is this scene a real death or is it a fake death or whatever but it's interesting like the sort of opposite where there are just scenes where things just happen normally where she's like there is a scene where they just walk their kids they like walk and drive their kids to school mm -hmm. and every time every moment i was like is he gonna like get hit by a car what's gonna happen here yeah. <laughs> like what's the game yeah that was that was at a specific point where like i think towards the beginning of the film the the deaths are closer together and it did kind of start feeling like we were maybe due around that scene <laughs> we were just talking about amelia yeah so it so it's it also like as much as it's both like funny and interesting to process the grief but it also gets a good picture of just having to live a life where at any moment something terrible could happen and you have to just like live with that of just like whenever he walks out the house or whenever he goes to sleep there that could be the last time you see him and that sort yeah. of terror that surrounds like 
living with a the person of a, that advanced age and who is go suffering through Alzheimer's. And th I just found interesting if we could like talk about both movies just to like bring up camera person that they both sort of read as I don't know if this is the right word, but they're both sort of guilty movies and that they both sort of feel like her like like camera person is obviously a movie that is made up stitched up of a bunch of like cut footage from a bunch of the documentaries she's worked on and then Dick Johnson is that is mu a much more like bespoke thing that she crafted yeah mm -hmm. but like Dick Johnson is dead like within it you can like she herself says that it's sort of an experiment to capture his the ending of his life because that's not something he got to do with her mom she got to do with her mom who passed away and she has like no footage of her at her best which is like especially tragic for her who is like a documentarian and somebody who you think would have captured a bunch of moments of these people's lives and then sort of camera person like the dynamic that exists within all of these different just like all these different just scenarios and different documentaries you shot where she's like showing you sort of behind the scenes footage or just like extra footage here and like extra moments of humanity that might get like cut from a normal documentary because it's uh, like mm -hmm. they needed sp sp they needed it's like th it was just on the cutting room floor because this documentary didn't need it but just like the humanity that exists within j beyond just like making a movie which is like why i agree with you Alyssa, that you said earlier that it's a very like vital documentary because it sort of like demystifies the documentary in a s very interesting way yeah <laughs> yeah and camera person also you know completely is a movie about the ethics of looking um mm -hmm. and whether it's her kind of processing whether it was okay for her to shoot all this footage yeah. and to like look at people in these states of like you know uh dread or or trauma or um you know there's this the whole scene with the babies in the hospital oh. where you don't know if they're going to mm -hmm. make it and um you know she's like i was there for all of this and i internalized all of these images and then what do i do with that like i just walked away <laughs> and yeah. i don't know if you've ever met her but she's she's a very tall woman <laughs> um and she's she sort of takes up um like space where she is uh because of her size and also because she has like a, a um just like a very vivacious personality and I've talked to her quite a bit about this um, because she says, you know, the part of being a camera person is that you have to kind of be able to disappear. And it's hard for her to disappear. And so she's had to learn other ways to be in space and to be there alongside people. But she's very aware that what she's capturing, just as people say, like, you watch these stage scenes with Dick Johnson and you ask yourself, is this real? For her, it's like, is this real what I'm looking at or is it happening because I'm looking at them? Um, and that's like camera person is so much about that. And that is kind of the big question of documentary in the 21st century. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it almost functions as like a greatest hits of just like these moments that like she, they like, I think the like title card at the beginning is like, I filmed all these, like I worked on these documentaries and it's like, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Like some of this is like the most intense thing, like the baby or there's even like the brief scene. I don't know if anyone remembers where uh, it's like the kid is like playing with the axe or whatever. And she's just mm -hmm. like, oh, yes. uh oh, and like mm -hmm. no one's around. And it, she, like the kid ends up just putting it down. But it's like, yeah, I can imagine like, you know, your what are you as like 
how passive are you in that instance? Like, do you go intervene or is like, that's not my kid. That's not like anything that I like. I mean, what is the like repercussions if I get involved in this moment just as like the cinematographer? And I think like also uh, I watched camera person, I think like when the trailer for Dick Johnson came out, because I was like, I got to see this movie before we record about it, obviously. Um, And the moment that it's like stuck with me so much and it's just such a great payoff, like the payoff in Dick Johnson of the guy uh, who is like the friend at the beginning and he has like the horn at the funeral is -hmm. like very good. And then, um, but in camera person, it's the boxer is like the biggest thing that like made me like weep where uh, they intro the boxer as just like this guy like getting hyped up and then like basically the whole movie happens and there's like only a little bit after this like closing scene with him and he like it's just it's him losing it's like him being announced as a loser and it's like that's already like a crushing blow and then he's like throwing this like tantrum and like punching walls and he's like i just gotta go see my mom and he like goes and hugs his mom and she's just like it's all good you're great and it's Mm -hmm. like just such a beautiful moment that like I haven't been able to stop thinking about it for like three weeks at this point or whatever. I can imagine that like lasting with you for a lifetime if you filmed it and just no one else had seen it up until that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a movie about how these movies you watch have people living in them that have to like yeah. mm-hmm. continue living in them after the cameras roll. And it's like, it reads. I, I find it very like fascinating, like in contrast to the Johnson is dead, where it's like almost the it's like almost the opposite. It's almost like the like fantastic like movie making version of just, of what what is ha- actually happening in real life. It's presenting somebody with the fantasy that they could maybe never have or could have, depending on what your beliefs and that sort of stuff. So they do it. They do serve as these very interesting mirrors of each other in that way. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, yes, and something else, yeah, I guess that struck me about, like, Camera Person is, like, you know, it's a movie that I think on first watch, especially, it's, like, it's a one that, like, you have to really, like, rise to the, to, to it to be, to be, to, like, to think critically about, like, what, like, what a project it must have even been to, like, decide, like, what footage to include and, like, in what order. Like, all that, like, Mm -hmm. figuring out how to shape, like, bits and pieces of a million of, like, you know, a dozen documentaries that she's worked on Mm -hmm. and, like, thinking about, like, what, like, the, what even the inception of the beginning of, like, that organizational process must have been and, like, what, like, it, like, it's one that, like, makes me think so much about, like, the work of like editing a documentary like even more than like a traditional documentary where it's like if if you take a second and think about it like that's a hard uh, incredibly hard thing for a human to to conceive of doing is to like take hours of footage and 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 whittle it down to the most relevant 90 to 180 minutes or whatever mm-hmm. um and so like like thinking about yeah the, the move like thinking about that movie as like it is in some ways a collection of scenes Right of 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 moments that that like there is not a easily apparent narrative to or like easily mm-hmm. apparent like thing to thing to, of like okay now we're doing in this section now we're in this section right like it's like I'm not even really sure it's chronological right mm-hmm. um, no. uh, yeah, it's um, not. yeah um, but uh, but thinking of like what that process is of like sitting down and starting and being like okay this is what I, this is this is what comes to mind and then like the, here's how i'm gonna shape it into like one document mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and it has so much to do with, like, what is the story you're telling? Mm-hmm. And she says it's her memoir, but it's not an autobiography. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she herself only shows up uh, on, like, in the actual footage, right. uh, like, very yeah. briefly. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, m- memoirs are sort of where you you tell the true story, but you tell it with the aim of telling another story, <laughs> oh, like a bigger mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. And um, in this case, yeah, it's so much about her being like, you know, w- looking at things is my life. What do I learn from looking and what do I miss uh, from how I look? And I know she's talked about, you know, several places in that movie where she looks back at the footage which she wasn't intending you know the director wasn't intending to use it it's just Mm -hmm. sort of this like interstitial stuff like when they're in that car um they're in i don't even know what country they're in but it's clearly like a dangerous situation they're in and um you know and she's that's just what's stuck in her head (laughs) but she says i look at the footage and i think like oh i should have been shooting something entirely different there (laughs) but i was so (laughs) stuck on the idea of what this movie needed for me um, that I was seeing, I was not seeing something else that it was actually telling me. And it, it's it's interesting to me that her parents and her children, um, but her parents to a large extent are the only kind of characters that recur between the right. two films. Um, yeah. You know, her mother mm-hmm. is in camera person, her father's in camera person. And then when we get to Dick Johnson, like her dad is the protagonist, sort of. Um, but her mother is very much like, there on the margins um in in their yeah. memories and they're always talking about her um yeah. and it seems extra interesting to me that that the you know the the thing that is taking both of her parents um that took her mother and mm-hmm. will take her father is dementia the, like the forgetting <laughs> um yeah. the capacity to yeah. lose your memory and here she is making movies in which she's recalling and creating memory right. um you know, and people always talk about doing that for their children, and that's why you shoot footage and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I know when um, I had seen the movie, I have seen Dick Johnson is Dead a lot of times now, <laughs> um, because I talked to KJ at um, I had her on a panel at at Sundance, uh-huh. and um, but uh, but I watched it with my husband maybe the third or fourth time that I watched it, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh, we should be shooting more footage of my father," you know, who oh, doesn't yeah. have dimension, but it's like right we want to remember him now and not later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is like the thing that is like, so like, I'm like, I mean, without getting like too dark, it's something that like, it's like, yeah, I should be like, you should do the same thing. Like you're saying of like, you, like if you have kids, you film them. If you have parents, you should film them. Like it's, it's like a thing to like Mm -hmm. that. The movie's just like, you, you have to think about this. And it's like, Maybe I'm not ready to think about that right now. It's a little yeah. intense. Yeah. Yeah. And we should be filming ourselves. I mean, that's something that, yeah, sure. um, yeah. you know, I was, I don't have kids, um, but we have nieces and nephews. And one thing we were just thinking about is like, because we don't have kids, we don't have a lot of like videos of ourselves because <laughs> yeah, you don't right. do that really, unless yeah, you're right, like yeah, really yeah. into Instagram or something. And, um, <laughs> and even then, like, that's not yours, right? It, it right. could disappear. So yeah. it was interesting thinking like, will there be a history of me? You know, mm-hmm. maybe there will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. But just watching both of these movies, honestly, was kind of a reminder of that. Um, and just a reminder that like, there's a narcissistic way to do it. And then there's a way that's, 
like very much entwined with who am I, me trying to figure out who I am and what I value, um, and doing it in such a way that is vulnerable on screen, but also that gives people a way to do it for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that's an, that, like that's another point where the movies exist as these sort of very interesting mirrors of each other, and that like camera person is sort of this document of just like wondering about your own passivity and like what is like your role and just like shooting something and you're like as you said like she shot this footage and she was like concerned about these like it as work and then later in her life was concerned about it as just like human experience and lives that she maybe had touched in a weird way while dick johnson is this movie that is like very actively like trying to solve a problem it is like an active document of like dick johnson's death his like fantasies about his life and but also i think it's interesting the way that both movies are are sort of like not about her but they're like incredibly tinged by her perspective on them they're both sort of they both sort of exist with like it within her scope within her perspective of just like trying to un they're both like reflective of her understanding of these situations and mm-hmm. like even though the movie's called dick johnson is then it's about her father's death it also becomes about her regrets about not filming her mother and the difficulty of experiencing the same thing with both parents and like just like the scope of human experience i don't know how to put it <laughs> much more than that yeah well, and like, and the other thing, like, the other thing that really stuck out to me of, about Dick Johnson is like how much of it is such a loving portrait of the man Dick Johnson, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. how much it is about capturing, <laughs> like, I know, like, it, like he's so lovable, like how much, like, you can see he cares and like wants every, like, wants to help everyone around mm-hmm. him be happier and better, right? Like you, like you get the sense of that, like in like him like what his past life was as a psychiatrist like right and you get the real sense of that of like how down for anything she wants to throw at him he is like he gets like mildly uh concerned when he thinks that they're gonna take his own blood at (laughs) one point but like that's the only time he's ever like well maybe we like we should like that's where he's like a little unsure about it all the rest of the time he's like game and down and like ready to go for it um yeah and i just like it's like I mean, you know, I'll, I'm. She loves her dad. Like I love my dad. Like it's it's like a thing that like, but it's it's like so interesting uh, and it's interesting and inspiring to be able to capture like a person and a personality in like such a clear way where it's like wow, like I like get like the the like the simple human goodness of this person uh, over the course of this movie, which also has like all these other million ideas happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got the bit uh, that I love where every time he's like, they do it like, I think like two or three times where he's like, had a long day and he sits down and he's like, how sweet it is. And it's just like, what a good guy. Mm -hmm. It's like such a vibe. Yeah, there's a scene in Camera Person with him, if you remember, um, where he, yeah, he and and her two children find a, a dead bird on the, like this sidewalk, I guess, outside of his house. And... Um, and he has to explain to them like what what death is, <laughs> and he's a he's a clinical psychiatrist like he knows what he's doing. But um, yeah. but when so so I watched Dick Johnson with 
my husband before it came out um and then he was like oh i have to watch camera person immediately so i think we watched it the same day and he hadn't seen Mm it um and i had similarly seen it so many times i you know i could practically quote it um but that scene hit real different (laughs) um because suddenly we were watching you know this man who we've kind of seen dead um even though he's not uh explain death and it's so gentle and it's so so sweet and it's so um it's so realistic i think that's what hit me the most about watching this movie is um so like my father passed away almost 15 years ago and it you know it's one of those things that you kind of never shake right um but i remember i think it was the year he afterwards he i started watching the tv show six feet under um, and if you've ever watched it, you know that in every episode at the beginning, like kind of the pre-credits cold open mm-hmm. is a person dies because the family works in a um, funeral home. And so yeah. that kind of furnishes whatever is going to happen that week. Um, and I found it really cathartic because it feels so much like death is something we just don't want to look at. And so we never talk about it in American culture. And um, I think this movie serves a similar purpose in the sense that, like, we see him die a bunch. It's very shocking. Um, And then it's funny. And then we also Mm -hmm. see, like, his sort of versions of the afterlife. We see, like, heaven. Mm -hmm. And then we see this kind of, like, haunted space. And... Um, and for me, it was very like, oh, this is this is again us trying to reckon with and process death in a way that takes the sting out of the real thing. Like it still hurts, but having thought about it changes the nature of it uh, entirely. And I love that. I feel like it's a real gift uh, to have a movie like that. And I feel like it's a real rarity, mm-hmm. even though and I think I wrote this in my review, like the other thing that ties the two together for me, which is really random, but um, uh, she shot the Derrida documentary years ago, and there's a scene in Camera Person where she's just following Derrida, the philosopher, mm-hmm. as he's walking across the street. And Derrida hated being photographed because right. he felt like it was himself, it was like an image of an already dead person. <laughs> like he would say that corpses, are, or that photographs are pictures of corpses, even when the people were alive, because eventually they'll be dead. Um, which is very Derridian. But um, but I found myself thinking of that watching Dick Johnson because it felt like she was almost preempting that experience for herself. Yeah, it's almost like going like, yeah, this these are pictures of dead people, but, you know, there's a, there's a value in that. There's, like, happiness to be found in that. There's humor to be found in death, which is a funny thing to think mm-hmm. about, just your relationship with your own mortality. And it's like... May we all have one as healthy as Dick Johnson? Mm-hmm. I yes. don't know that I will, but it's certainly like a nice place to look at. Just like being able to take the piss out of the idea of never being alive again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's some like good bits in Dick Johnson, like where they go and see his like uh, college sweetheart or whatever, <laughs> and it's just like they're just flirting together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a yeah. It's like a not a weird moment, but it's just like I wasn't expecting it. Like in the movie and then he's just like he's like hitting on her and i was like this guy is so good yeah. <laughs> it so weirdly funny. made me think of uh the nathan for you finding francis uh oh, like episode where he like where it's uh, similarly an older man like revisiting his relationship to a yeah. to a past crush that is not quite as uh, a positive healthy portrayal of that but uh it was an interesting uh connection to draw in the middle of this movie <laughs> 
the other thing, like, I do want, want to talk about the the fantasy sequences in Dick Johnson mm-hmm. and the um the just the aesthetic there, like, and like the really like fun Gonzo style that like I found so joyful and like the the dancing um uh sequences were like so ecstatic and like the giant heads and all that stuff and especially that one like towards the end where it's like really cut so it's like you know he's all over the place and like at one point like the the big mask comes off and it is him under there like like it uses like all the movie like magic editing tricks to make you like 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 unsure of like who is what and like what is a stunt and what is like real and all that stuff and like that sequence and along with like all the constant like sparkling uh um uh stuff falling from the sky and like like that like sort of like really big broad sort of vision of 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 an afterlife of an existence of of heaven or whatever like i think it's labeled in the in the in the movie as heaven um was just like it was just, it was a real joy like in the middle of this movie that i was like this is like i love that someone is 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 putting so much effort into something this uh both silly and like meaningful at the same time yeah it's i mean it's sort of interesting how all those tricks it, it it plays an interesting trick of making the uncertain seem like not a negative thing of just like i don't know maybe when you die you'll be a younger per- version of yourself maybe you'll be the old person of yourself maybe you'll have toes again maybe you'll experience all of this in the third person you'll be playing piccolo at your own thing so it <laughs> so that's like obviously like in a very interesting reckoning with what the afterlife could be and also just like how even in those moments she takes the time to like shoot the behind the scene footage of those sort of sequences to show of just like they're sort of just trying things out and testing things out and seeing what he wants and like i think it's a movie that makes because like one of the more interesting sequences in it were was like her talking to her to dick johnson's like late in life like caregiver and her being like i know he would let me do whatever i want for this documentary because he's a nice guy and he's so lovable but i also have to think about like i can't push him too far because am i gonna like be the cause of this and Mm -hmm. which is sort of a fascinating to think about in a counterpoint with camera person which is again a movie about her considering like the consequences of just of making a movie yeah i think that's exactly right and i think that's that's sort of the point at which most clearly as you're saying these these two movies kind of intersect because she starts this project you know a while ago (laughs) she had started it a while ago and the the you can see him progress um Mm-hmm. And also, you know, you're watching him kind of go through the things that are really difficult about dementia, you know, like re- leaving your job and leaving your home and mm-hmm. having trouble remembering things and not being sure if you're having trouble remembering things and all that stuff. And, um, you know, it's it, there's always a very big ethical question when people um, with, you know, whether it's like... Um, you know, like disabilities um, that might cause them to not be able to give consent to be filmed or people who are in a state of distress or people who, you know, children, just people who otherwise can't necessarily consent to being 
filmed are part of a documentary. And often those are the things that people really respond to in documentaries, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, but, but that's a pretty live question. And it's especially a big question when it is your dad and you know he'd say yes no matter what you asked him. And so technically it's ethical, but mm-hmm. are you going to feel okay about it? And it's sort of interesting mm-hmm. to see her change places with herself in the doc thinking about that because at the beginning it's very much like a collaborative thing and it's still collaborative at the end but um, her position of power in relationship to him has shifted over the course of the doc and and she knows that and he knows that too um, but he doesn't always know it and that's that's maybe the most difficult part and she's definitely definitely reckoning with um, with stuff that came up in camera person when she does that because that's something mm-hmm. that she's thinking about um, and just trying to figure out how do you and can you and should you continue to tell this story even if the people in it, you know, can't necessarily sort of um, consent to being in it the same way that you as the filmmaker, you know, can. Um, and this, this I've, I thought about this a lot because I feel like I've seen a lot of docs about old people this year. Um, mm-hmm. So like this movie showed at Sundance, another one that showed, which doesn't have quite the same issues, but is very much about like aging and elderly people is um, The Truffle Hunters, which is finally coming out. Right. And that one's about very old men who love to hunt truffles with their dogs. And it's, it's a different situation, but there are a lot of docs about the elderly um, and mm-hmm. thinking about elderly and sick and um people who are kind of in their waning years in addition to war so i and i just have to bring this up because it it reminds me every time i talk about this of there's a there was a doc for sama that was uh nominated for an oscar last year really fantastic Mm -hmm. but there's a scene in it where it's you know they're in aleppo and they're under they're kind of in a hospital and it's under siege and everything is terrible. And this woman comes in with her son who's been hurt in some way in fire. And, um, she's screaming, um, to the doctors to take care of him. And then she whirls around at some point and she looks at Sama who, or, uh, she looks at, um, I'm blanking on her name, but she's looking at the filmmaker, um, who is, uh, who's shooting her. And I fully expected her to say, what are you doing? Put the camera down. Can't you see we're in distress? And she says instead, and like this so stuck with me. She says like, you have to take these photos. Like you have to keep doing Mm -hmm. this. You have to keep filming this because we need people to see what this is. And so that like twisted and and complicated, I think this question of, um, Mm you know, who, who gets to say who gets to be filmed. It's just, it's, it's a complicated issue, but so much of it is embedded in this movie Mm -hmm. in a different way. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, like to maybe, yeah, to broaden this out, like, yeah, to continue to broaden this out. Like I, like I am, I'm not like super into documentaries, but I do like try to make a choice, like make a point of seeing all the Oscar nominated ones every year and stuff. And like, I see the shorts and I do also feel like there's all that, like, like death and dying and all that like is a pretty constant realm that documentaries play in that is not necessarily as uh that like you don't see as many fiction films dealing with like i feel like there's been like at least two or three oscar nominated documentary shorts in the last like five or six Mm -hmm. years that are about like hospital wards and, and 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 doctors counseling people who are like 
have had traumatic like uh, like strokes or whatever and as to like whether they were gonna have to pull the plug or anything Mm -hmm. like that like like it's it's a space that documentary documentarians are 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 called to clearly and it's like you know like looking at the the tough things that we don't really like to talk about is like a you know with a you see why a documentarian would be like interested in, in exploring that space um yeah i and i mean like it's it is interesting like to think about the ways that you can do it like and the ways where where you know ones that leave you like emotionally shattered by the end of it and you're like oh my god this is so important and then also ones that are like maybe a little more like dick johnson where you get the emotional experience but you also have like those moments of like fun and 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 enjoyment it's like it's such an interesting like yeah like like the question of tone in dealing with these these serious subjects is like something that always fascinates me mm-hmm. yeah i mean i, I think it's fu- funny because when i heard dick johnson is that described i thought it was going to be a movie that was mostly just about these recreations and it was going to be sort of like a funny thing that ha- i imagine would have some interstitials dealing with like what phase of his life he's in and they would talk to him and it, what's funny is that the beginning of the movie you can sort of see that arc of like maybe her she her thinking that's what the movie is or they're gonna make all these recreations and then as the movie goes on it sort of becomes as it becomes tougher for him to participate in these that it sort of becomes more of like just sort of like an active eulogy to like this living man of just like this is how he's living this is how he's lived this is like the joy he brought onto others and it made me think of this like whether or not movies or documentaries can be solutions to whatever problems they're depicting they uh, there are at the end they can be at the very least like therapy for them they can be mm-hmm. a, like they can provide us with an understanding of what they're trying to s- of what these people are going through or what the like what is happening and like what that activates within us or not and i find it fascinating that her like the daughter of a therapist would make a movie that sort of elucidates mm-hmm. those points so clearly Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesse, you've been a little quiet. Do you have any thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I I'm I have half a thought. Uh <laughs> I'm trying to formulate been trying to formulate. I think uh one of the commonalities between the two films that really sticks out to me is especially in Camera Person, but also in Dick Johnson's Dead, the use of uh, this kind of book ending structure where in Dick Johnson's Dead we have the funeral really is the only scene that appears at both the, the beginning of the end but there's a lot of them in camera person. Cullen talked about yeah. the uh, the boxer and we mentioned the uh, the babies being born in Nigeria I think uh, there's also the uh, the court case uh with Mm. the the murder in texas uh yeah and it's interest i i guess uh maybe what makes that so effective is that in the same way that uh johnson's presence kind of uh inherently affects uh the way that the that reality is playing out we kind of get to see we get to see the 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 main body of the movie affect how we see these different scenes i I wonder if there's maybe a a connection there is what the half thought is yeah Yeah. because it's like 
obviously in Dick Johnson, what it does is like when you see the funeral at the beginning and how like playful they're being with it, it sort of yeah, speaks to what I was saying where it's sort of like, oh, well, this is like an exercise and they're like carrying this out and they all think it's like funny and it's going to be like this interesting way to portray this. And then, but then by the end, it's just like this emotionally devastating thing where you don't even, like as Colin said, like in the back of my mind, I knew he was alive, but like the way that scene carries out, you're, so, yeah. you're sort of thrown for a loop for a, as like, whether or not this is real, the emotions being felt here are real and all of these people are feeling this in a very real way and that like passes through the screen onto me where I feel very heartbroken for the loss of this man who we clearly haven't lost yet. And it's obviously like even at the end it becomes a very funny scene where he like blows the trumpet in a bat in a poor manner and the people in the audience are laughing and then <laughs> Dick Johnson is behind the door and he's just like, wow, he thinks he's real. That's funny. And it's, which is, <laughs> is like obviously a great punchline. But yeah. yeah, it's just sorry. It's sort of disarming to use a bookend in that sort of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, the, the funeral scene where it's like the patient of his who's like talking about like she's like delivering like the sort of bigger eulogy of like everyone uh, besides like the, the guys like the, the good friend. Um and then, like, he comes back in, and it's, like, an insanely just, like, emotional speech about, like, how when her husband died, she turned to him, and, like, then she, like, could start to, f- like, even just, like, as, like, the patient relationship uh, feel that he was, like, losing his, uh, or, like, you know, like, deteriorating a bit. Um, but then, like, he comes in, and everyone's, like, clapping, and he's, like, walking down the aisle, and it's, like, you know he's going to get to her. It's going to be so good. And they're, like, every, he's, like, shaking hands with everyone else, and they get to her, and he gives her, like, a huge hug. And it's, like, that is, like, the moment. Like, I thought I had got away clean of, like, no tears throughout the movie, and then that part happened, and I was, like, mm-hmm. oh, no. It's so sad. Or it's just so, it's, like, so emotional. And, it, yeah, like you're saying, it's just, like, a great payoff for, like, how sort of jovial they're being at the beginning, and then for it to end with that, like... Just, just pure emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like also the like how that it, it doesn't end on that shot, but there there is a shot towards the end of this of the movie and the end of that sequence of like his friend in the corner crying. Yeah, and it's so and brutal. it's just like yeah, it's pretty brutal, but it's also like well within the scope of the movie of just like well they also made this man like sort of wrestle with his mortality in a way that is not that one would necessarily expect because I think that's sort Mm -hmm. of what the movie's trying to do is just being like we we tend to deal with death when like we're 100% sure we're gonna die and it's like we're we're dead and then like the only thing that can go through your mind is like terror or confusion and having to deal with those emotions in like real time and knowing that that's a thing that's going to happen to you is a much different, sometimes funny experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially since death is is just about the most absurd thing there is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you do all this stuff for years and years and years, and then right. at the end you just die. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, it's like, yeah. all right. And everybody does it, and it often happens mm-hmm. in ways that are ridiculous or accompanied mm-hmm. by ridiculous things. Um, and funerals are weird they're just weird like Mm -hmm. they're all these people gathering around a corpse to talk about it like it's just a strange thing that we do um and so i've always really appreciated comedy that gets at the 
the just like goofy nature of the fact that we die it's i mean it's dark <laughs> it's certainly mm-hmm. darkly humorous but it's it's funny um and mm-hmm. we sort of uh you know i i every time i think about funerals and how there's this big business around them and how all the things that you have to go through to plan one and it just seems like this is just this should be a little bit more fun or like a little more absurd or something um yeah so it's always i'm always very appreciative of when filmmakers try to do that or you know whoever is who is making something about it but i do think one you know there's like a big difference here in imagining a beloved character's death and trying to find ways to remind us that like it's it's love and it's life and it's death yes. and all those things go together yeah it, i mean it's just like this is a weird thing to bring up but it's like for a year there was this trend in puerto rico where i live where of people having these funerals where it was like they would like put the body in like the in like in action of what they love doing so there was like a guy who was like his like funeral was him on a motorcycle just like leaning over <laughs> and th- there was another guy who was like wearing sunglasses and leaning against a wall <laughs> <laughs> and it was like it, and it was like this short trend for a while and there was like sort of a revulsion and like a pushback to be like no that's so that's so insane why would anybody do that why would anybody subject anybody to that but i did but my response was always like that just seems like the right thing to do. That just mm-hmm. seems like the goofy way of just like, if this is the sort of person who would ask for this, then this is, I 100% trust that's that so this funny. is the way that people would like to remember him. And that seems mm-hmm. like a fun like a fun thing. Like, I don't know, like jazz funeral, the same thing. That seems like <laughs> the way to go. Like, why mm-hmm. I don't know why we have to have like wearing a dark suit and just like <laughs> sadly talking about people. So there's, there's like yeah, fun right. to be had around enjoying the life of a person as they mm-hmm. pass away and i think this is like a very good depiction of that sort of thing that mm-hmm. the 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 only way death gets to you is just if you just like sit on it like si- silently and somberly and if you if you're forced to like reckon with it and talk about it and make jokes and it comes a lot more naturally to us as mm-hmm. human beings there was just like sort of a a non sequitur but like another thing of camera person that uh with the baby as like she it's like similar to like the kid with the uh like axe at the one part uh where she's like is she coming back is she gonna come back for this baby like when they're trying to like get it to start breathing and it's just like so intense and the nurse like i don't want to say she's being rough with it but it's like she's really like slapping it and it works like it's obviously like the way to get the results but when i was watching it i was like pulling my hair and i was like this is too much she's like really like beating the hell out of it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and it's like both scary but it's also just like it's the yeah. same as anything she's doing it's just like confronting something that sometimes needs to happen which is yes. mm-hmm. that you yep. sometimes that you would maybe cut out of a documentary because it's a little harrowing uh, but if mm-hmm. like yeah the po- for sure if the point is it's reckoning with those sorts of things then it's very yeah, it's just like yeah part of the thing is just like yeah i can see why like you filmed this 10 years ago and you have not stopped thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. She's, she is a pretty remarkable lady. I, um, I, I, I don't think she'll mind if I tell this story, which is I, um, I teach a documentary film class, um, 
which is mostly watching documentary films, a lot of stuff like this where it's non-traditional and it's not like Talking Heads documentaries. Mm -hmm. But um, at the end, I have the students make a little documentary in the style of some filmmaker who they appreciate, whether it was like Chantal Ackerman or or Kirsten Johnson or someone else. So um, Mm -hmm. uh, we have a few class meetings um, in person on a weekend to kind of talk about that stuff. And I had pinged her um like in maybe october and i said would you be interested in if you have time coming to the december meeting and she's like oh yeah that'd be totally fine i'll definitely come and so that day i like you know the day before i checked in with her yeah i'll definitely be there and that morning i got a text from her at like 7 a.m and she said hey um i will definitely be there um, I just locked picture on my next movie. So this is Dick Johnson. She had just finished Whoa. the movie with Nels Banger, her her editor, then at 7 a.m. Uh, so she'd been up all night. She's like, I have Jesus. to run home and take my kid to soccer, um, and then I'll I'll be right by. Um, and and uh, she was like, so I'll be there, but I might be there right on time. And I was like, can I get you a coffee or something? Um, yeah. <laughs> But then she showed up and just it was she was there for an hour and a half, which was the class length. And she like explained how she got into it. She explained everything she kind of done. And then she sort of started doing things that like she was like stand on chairs to demonstrate how different angles affect the way that you're looking at people Mm -hmm. or like get right in front of someone and ask them to tell her a story. Mm -hmm. It was just this very like energetic (laughs) and very revealing thing. And she Mm -hmm. kept encouraging the students to, um, to break the films they were working on uh, in the Mm -hmm. sense of like breaking the story opens that they can find something new and scary Mm -hmm. in it. Um, And it was really great. And it's always good to know that the people who make these, you know, when the people who make a movie like this are the real deal, that's really yeah. satisfying. Mm-hmm. And so I will, I mean, I, you know, I, I see her around, we're friends and everything, but like that, that story is one that I think really reveals what kind of a person would want to make a movie like either of these, um, where she yes. says, what are my memories? And what she ends up making is not a movie that's like about all the cool stuff she's seen or about how like nice her dad is, but actually movies that are for us as the audience. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's, like, true, like, universality in, like, the smallest moments in Dick Johnson where she's, like, they're, like, moving house, and it's, like, just, like, on a dime, you can just get so emotional. It's, like, we've had this house for so long. I don't want to, like, move this mm-hmm. table or whatever. And it's, like, yeah, that's such, like, a relatable thing of anyone who has to move from, like, uh, you know, your home. Or when she, like, uh, he, 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 like, just forgot that she, like, had a trip planned. And she's, like, you know, I'm going here, right? And he's like, oh, no. And then they're, like, hugging, and they're both, like, crying. And it's like, yeah, it seems, like, for sure that their vibe is, like, on the same wavelength. And then especially with that story, it's just, like, very, like, jocular people <laughs> who, like, are just, like, very open emotionally. And it's, like, a great thing to, like, have as, like, this filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's a nice thing to Oh, see. the biggest surprise, like, uh, <laughs> just for me as, like, a weird fan uh, was... I didn't know that there was, like, a relationship with uh, Iris Sachs at all. Mm-hmm. And when he was in Dick Johnson, I was like, holy crap, that's Iris Sachs. <laughs> yep. I was like, yep. They live next yeah. door to one another. <laughs> that's sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, this is maybe something we should have talked about more at the top, but Alyssa, you, you saw this at Sundance, right? Like, that's what, was that when you first saw no, it? No, I saw it, uh, I don't know, I guess I saw it in late. 
December maybe I had I okay. had KJ and I had the sure. Ross brothers on a panel um, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. director of the mole agent um, so I had seen all their movies ahead of time which those are all okay. movies that play with that truth and fiction mm-hmm. boundary mm-hmm. or yeah. yeah but I mean you the, the other thing is like you've been on like Sundance juries and things mm-hmm. right like yeah can you talk a little because we, we're about film festivals yeah. can you talk a little bit about what that experience is like and like what it's like to to, to be at Sundance and like be a, a part of the festival in a, yeah in that um way. yeah so my first Sundance I just went as a journalist um I was actually still working for Christianity Today at the time so I was mostly there mm-hmm. reporting on a, a piece for that and then um next I went back I was with Vox and then I've I became a um Sundance fellow in mm-hmm. 2017 I guess so they have a project that um that Kirsten's wife, uh, Tabitha, who's now the director of Sundance, but they weren't together at the time, um, mm-hmm. uh, initiated back when Tabitha was running the documentary film program there. And um, she, Tabitha loves documentary, but she especially loves weird documentary. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so um, she had a, pro- a program called The Art of Nonfiction, which has had filmmaker fellows who are like um, like Kitty Green, who made Casting Jean Bonnet mm-hmm. and um, well and the Assistant, uh, which is the not assistant. a documentary but yeah. is phenomenal. Um, and 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 Robert Green, no relation, and uh, Sierra Pettengill, and like all these people who make these really interesting films. And so mm-hmm. for one cycle of that, they brought in three writers. So it was me, Logan Hill, and Nick Pinkerton, and we were fellows with the Sundance Institute, which basically boiled down to we were interacting with the filmmakers a lot, and we were writing about. Um, about nonfiction, and then the following year, I was on the uh, the documentary jury, um, and so being on a jury at Sundance is really fun. It was it wasn't my first jury, but it was my first mm-hmm. real big jury. I like juried for Doc mm-hmm. NYC and Hamptons and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, you go like as a journalist, you go to the festival with a list of movies that you know you need to watch, and you go mm-hmm. like planning to write coverage of them. If you go as a juror, you're there the whole time, first of all, which normally I go mm-hmm. for a week, and uh, you you know you stay in a hotel and you're driven around, and they give you a Canada Canada Goose jacket, and then you watch like maybe two or nice. three movies tops per day. Mm-hmm. Um, which is uh, which is way less than I watch yeah. as a journalist. Right. Um, although I was also covering that year, so I was very busy. Um, mm-hmm. And I was with all um, filmmakers. So I was with um, Rachel Grady, who um, made a well love fraud with Heidi Ewing is her newest thing. They made Jesus Camp back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. Jeff Orlowski, who's uh, who made the Social Dilemma that's on Netflix right, right. now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Other and a bunch of other filmmakers. It was really great. Yancey mm-hmm. Ford was on the doc jury that year, oh. and so we got to spend a lot of time together. And you just spend a lot of time with people going and seeing the movies, and mm-hmm. then kind of not talking about them until you do. <laughs> right. You got it. Yeah. Um, supposed to save it. Yeah. And there was, yeah. gosh, I think there might have been eighteen right. docs in that um, in that section. It was the U.S. documentary um, section, and you see everything. You see everything from like. Mm-hmm really depressing issue docs like the one of the mm-hmm. ones we gave an award to was um oh, i'm blanking on the name but it was about lynching and it came out last year um and played on pbs we saw the one we gave the grand prize to was um one child nation nanfu wang's film okay. uh, which she just um mm-hmm. 
she just got a MacArthur Fellowship yesterday, which is really exciting. And right. one thing you're really aware of when you're on a Sundance jury is that almost all the filmmakers in competition, this is either their first or second feature. And so mm, you actually mm. have a lot of power <laughs> yeah. in a way that critics don't, right. not just right. to give them an award, but actually like mm. give them something that will help them get their next film made. And in, that's yeah. mm-hmm. nowhere more clear than in documentary mm-hmm. where it really, really mm-hmm. matters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was a great experience. And then at the end, basically what happens, at least at Sundance, um, and this is kind of the pattern, but at Sundance it's like very serious. Um, they kind of lock you in a room. I'm not even joking. They basically lock you in a room in a very fancy hotel in Park City. And, it's like being a jury for a trial. Almost. Uh, it is, <laughs> at like 6 p.m. And they hand you a bunch of menus and they say, order literally anything you want until you're done. And then you wow. s- Yeah, and our, our jury took... I think we took five hours to deliberate and in that case they say here are the four awards you have to give out Mm -hmm. um and then here are and then there's like a certain number of slots that you can create your own award um Mm -hmm. for you know a film that you want to honor but maybe it doesn't fit like the directing slot or whatever and one thing i really appreciate that is that like i'm very interested in documentaries being recognized not as a genre but as just like their films right mm-hmm. um i hate this thing yeah. where people will say oh there's movies and then there's documentaries that's just that's false mm-hmm. um so one thing that's great about sundance is that you do you give a documentary directing award and you give a mm-hmm. um a, a writing award i think we gave which is not something most people think of with a documentary right. yeah. Mm-hmm. um yeah and then and then it's over <laughs> and then you present them at the mm-hmm. award ceremony the next day um, which is great. But so all of that was really good. It was a really great experience. I had so much fun with the jury. Um, you get to go to a, like a few fancy parties, of course. You get to go up mm-hmm. to the Sundance mm-hmm. Resort where Robert Redford has a brunch for all the filmmakers <laughs> and all the jurors. Um, often on like the fiction jury, there are like like famous people on those juries. Right. Um, right. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who was on them. Uh, I don't know. Anyhow, you know, that's who they were. And it's Sundance is so much of a community because people come back Mm -hmm. with their films or they they had a film and now they're back as a juror and everybody kind of knows Mm -hmm. each other. Um, And that's true of the documentary world generally. But Sundance is even kind of the bigger version of that. So it's really pleasant um, and very enjoyable uh, overall. Yeah. And then last year or this year, sorry, I guess this is this year. I, you know, I was back as a journalist right. which was actually kind of a relief <laughs> at the end of the day because i like i like picking the movies i'm gonna see right, i right. don't necessarily mm-hmm. want to be told um yeah. but yeah and that's different from i've done the same thing at like the sheffield documentary festival in england which was a good ex- mm-hmm. experience but a very different experience or um yeah hamptons doc nyc I'm trying to there's one other jury out there that i've done that i'm blanking on but um juries are super fun <laughs> and if you ever get to be on one you should do it um they're yeah. but they're a big time commitment you don't get paid but but if you're at sundance right. or something you might get some like fancy swag out cool of the swag. experience yeah, yeah. Right. um the, yeah. i will and, say the, and i mean yeah the one hitch as a journalist yeah. is that you can't really review a film that you were on a jury right. for so i mm-hmm. spent all of last year interviewing all the directors instead of reviewing mm-hmm. their films which i don't think they minded very much <laughs> sure yeah I mean, yeah, I, like, 
I don't know the 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 one thing like the idea of like someone deciding your film schedule for you at a film festival yes. is like both like has an appeal and also like some of the fun is like the the puzzle pieces Completely. of like what's gonna fit into where especially so, like, if I, yeah. you know all you know Sundance for me at least is like all the la critics who i only see like in park city and toronto and maybe in Cannes, like you want to be able to see your friends right um yeah so that part is a little weird um but they're you know journalists don't usually get to do that so it was a big honor that i got to um and i you know i really love everybody involved Mm -hmm. i mean that's fascinating to to hear i mean being on a jury is a sort of dream. It's like we, we sort of do these exercises on these podcasts where we try to like fake a jury and try to mm-hmm. fake mm-hmm. the energy of being at each other's throats. But uh, <laughs> right, yeah. believe it or not, we've, it's easy to get that. We've energy. only we've only made it up to maybe did we get up to two and a half hours? I think two and a half hours is our longest jury deliberation <laughs> yes. so far. We try to yeah compress it. I mean, for, hey, if if somebody yeah. was paying for all my food while those, I might have gone five hours. Huh. I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it was like, oh, if if I if I if I put up a fuss a little longer, I'll get another meal out of it. Like, uh-huh. sure. Like, and also, else. you know, you're in Utah, where getting booze is like a real challenge um, because Utah is just not good at it. And so they uh-huh. were like, order wine, order whatever, and we were like, yes, mm. we will. <laughs> Andy's looking to play festival jury money where he just <laughs> waits it out and gets the most meals out of one day. <laughs> yep. It's, it's, it's a pretty good gig. Uh, yeah. yeah. You can get it. <laughs> of course, the thing about jurying at Sundance is that once you've done it, they will not ask you back again unless you, like, win an Oscar or, mm-hmm. like, you know, have they have some compelling reason to invite you onto another jury. For, but for the most part, it's a one-and-done situation. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, regional regional festival juries are just as fun mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. right yeah uh this was a lot of fun yes. uh thank you yes, for thank coming you. and talking to thank us so Alyssa. uh is there anything you'd like to plug oh uh yeah i have a podcast in addition to all mm-hmm. the rest of my stuff which is called um young adult movie ministry which is a tongue-in-cheek name uh for a mm-hmm. podcast about movies and kind of Christianity it's me and my friend Sam Thielman who's also a journalist and both of us grew up in very conservative evangelical communities and Mm -hmm. we like to talk about movies and so we often have a guest on um, like this week we recorded with Josh Gondelman the comedian Um, so we have we have guests usually journalists or people from the filmmaking community um, to talk about a movie that they want to talk about Um, Mm-hmm. And so that comes out weekly, and we're at youngadultmovieministry.com. Cool, yeah, and if you if you read the uh, the Narnia books as a child, I can highly recommend that episode. Yes. That was very fun to kind of revisit that. Yeah, uh, it's fun for us, yeah. too, when we're not, like, being re-traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, you can follow us on Twitter at can I kick it spelled just like it is in your podcast app uh, you can follow us on letterboxd at c-i-k-i pod you can follow me on twitter or letterboxd at uh, jp glick weber weber has two b's uh, I have been using my little plug spot to plug the 10 greatest albums of all time for the last few weeks uh and I have slotted in for today, uh, such a long title, I've got to look up what Uh-oh. the full title of this album is. It is uh, 
God Forgive These Bastards, uh, Songs from the Forgotten Life of Henry Turner, an album by the Taxpayers that's like a weird kind of punk, folk, jazz, musical that is based on stories from this real guy, Henry Turner, who uh, at one time was like a big time uh, college pitcher, I think it University of Georgia or somewhere in there and uh, got injured and had his his life kind of slip away from him a little bit and I think it, at the time that the musicians met him was just kind of like a a friendly sometimes friendly sometimes ornery uh, unhoused man that people in the area just kind of knew uh, and it's this <laughs> really cool tribute to a kind of complicated man and dealing with his legacy uh so yeah i highly recommend that album andy yes i'm andy you can find me uh on uh twitter and uh letterbox and other social media sites at andy t germ a-n-d-y-t-g-e-r-m uh, for my plug to continue my uh, parallel line of uh, Tony Award performances that I love that I have been plugging, uh, I'm going to plug from 1998. Not The Lion King, which won Best Musical that year, but Ragtime, which was sort of the runner-up that year. Uh, the, they performed their opening number at the Tonys. Uh, it's uh, a little bit abridged, because that opening number is like 12 minutes long in, in reality, but uh, they, they do a good abridgment, and of course you get um, Audra McDonald uh, really hitting a high note at the end. That's really thrilling. So check out Ragtime from the Tony Awards. Cullen. Uh, yeah, I'm Clatchley on everything, C-L-A-T-C-H-L-E-Y, uh, and I, I will also plug something that I'm not related to at all. Uh, I watched all of the Netflix Adam Sandler movies in anticipation for Hubie Halloween, uh, and you gotta see The Week Of. It's Robert Smigel directed. It's the sweetest movie. <laughs> you want to like, well, I mean, Dick Johnson is dead and, like, camera person make me cry? Week Of knocked me out. <laughs> you gotta see it. So, so good. Emilio. Uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd at I Laugh Alone. You can follow me on Twitter at I'm Laugh Alone. I have nothing to plug, but in a Kristen Johnson-esque bookend, Colin, was the movie you were thinking of earlier, Fraud? Yes, the Dean Fleischer camp movie, Fraud. Oh, <laughs> of course. I think we talked about that with uh, Eric Allen Hatch yes. several months ago. I do now remember that. All right. Well, with that, I can go ahead and release our audience. Bye.